0: If kids' ministry doesn't work out for Pastor Jordan, he's got a career in music video production. Uh, We're going to talk about money this morning, in case you didn't catch it. And um, I'm going to get in your business, literally in your business. We're going to talk about money. How many of you would be comfortable sharing with the world, or maybe just this congregation, the last hundred purchases you made? You'd like, they are purposeful, they're not embarrassing, I am good with it. Many of us would be embarrassed if we started to divide out how we spend our money. Just a little bit. Maybe like you spend a lot on lunch. And we would see that you don't buy one lunch a day, maybe you buy two. Some of us might be embarrassed by how much of the percentage of the money that we have goes to Tim Hortons. Literally, while I was saying that, there were like four people drinking coffee, taking sips. Maybe some of you would be embarrassed because there's some lottery tickets in your last hundred purchases. Although I don't think there's been any big ones lately, so maybe not this time around. Don't have to cover that. Maybe we'd be embarrassed by the entertainment dollars that we spend. You know, on movies or, um, you know, things things that are just on the line. Like, I'm okay that some people know that I watch this, but I'm not okay that everybody knows that I watch this. Or maybe, Pastor, I wouldn't want you to know. Maybe we'd be embarrassed by how much we spend on candy and energy drinks. You know what I'm saying? It's gotten real quiet. And, hey, we're going to have fun today, guys. We're going to have fun. I promise. Or maybe, I mean, let's just be an equal opportunity offender here. Maybe you'd be embarrassed by how much you spend on shoes. I'm talking to myself. As somebody who was literally encouraged this morning to buy an extravagant pair of shoes, not by the Lord, not by my wife, but somebody else said, just buy yourself a fun pair of shoes. Like, maybe we'd be embarrassed by that. Or maybe, okay, let's be equal opportunity. Maybe you're embarrassed by how much you spend on purses. <laughs> a lot of guys are not comfortable because you don't, you don't spend money on purses. But how many of you have, don't raise your hand. Remember, we're like, I'm going to help you out here. How many of you have a wife that you don't understand how much she spends on purses? Like, you need a bag to hold stuff in. I get that. But how many of them in, in different colors and things do you need, right? So these are just some things. I mean, some of us, like, we heard the list just now, we're like, Phew, my thing's not on that list. But many of us, would, ha- because we spend things often that we're not fully uh, intentional about, or maybe we are intentional about it, but they're not something we want everybody knowing, sometimes we spend money in ways that we would not be so excited about. Now, some of you might be in this place this morning going, okay, great, here we go again. The church is talking about money, Here's the thing, Jesus talked about money just as much as he talked about almost anything else. In fact, it's the second most popular subject for Jesus after the kingdom. Why did Jesus talk so much about the kingdom and so much about money? I think one of the reasons is this, because Jesus' kingdom is at war with the kingdom of finance, with money. Money is not a neutral thing. I want to read a scripture that's going to be, we're going to start a series called Cash Rules because Pastor Jordan spent so much time on that video, we got to show it a couple, a couple times at least. But we're going to look at money and one of the things that we have to understand this morning we're going to launch this series, what we have to understand, the truth over this series is this, that money is not neutral. It can be neutral, but it doesn't tend to neutrality. In other words, there are, there are some laws, there are some things in the world that if we don't intentionally address them, we go to a default. And the default that we have is that money will tend to rule us. So the series is called Cash Rules. We may, be t- we may talk about some of Jesus' rules, some of His principles around money, but this morning I want to talk about the overarching truth that's going to run through this series, which is this, that if we don't address the fact or the... the, the The rulership of money in our lives. We will default to money ruling. I want to illustrate that from Scripture. If you look at me, uh, with me this morning at Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells this parable or this story, and it was specific to his disciples, but the reaction we get is from people that weren't his disciples. So it's interesting. Jesus is telling a story to his followers to illustrate a principle of the kingdom for people that follow him, but there were other people in hearing of that who responded, and we have record of that. So oftentimes, as Jesus is giving something for His disciples, there are crowds in the, in, the, in, in the audience, or crowds of people that aren't necessarily His followers who are also responding. The truth is the same today. There are people in this room this morning who are disciples, who have given themselves to following Jesus. They're intentional about walking with Him, and there are just people who are part of the crowd this morning. And the, 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 the great hope is this, that each one of us, within the hearing of My voice, is also within the hearing of the voice of the Spirit of God. And that every person in this place this morning will have an opportunity to be invited into discipleship, into a relationship with God where Jesus, as he calls it, is your master. Some of us think that he is. And we're going to discover maybe this morning that he's not as much as we think he is, but that's not without hope. It's an opportunity to address that and realign our lives because the truth is this, cash or money has a tendency to rule our lives. Jesus tells this story about a shrewd manager. It's a really interesting parable. It's a really interesting story. And what he, the, the, one of the basic premises is this, don't waste your master's resources. God has given you resources. God has given you Money and time and energy, and the ability to apply those resources. And it's not just about the physical things of this earth, it's about eternal things. That was the principle that he was teaching his disciples. He said, Use your earthly resources to effect eternity. But I want to look at not what necessarily what Jesus was saying in that, but something that he says at the end of it and the reaction of some people around Him, and that will give us a jumping off point for this series. Here's what happens. Luke chapter 16, let's start in verse 13. Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters. For you'll hate one, and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one, and you'll despise the other. And in case He we are um, confused about what he's talking about. He says this, you cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning, as we approach your word, I pray that we'd approach it with fresh eyes, with open hearts, with ears to hear, that you would speak to us and you would bring us into the freedom of serving you and freedom from the dominance of money in our lives. Lord, we want you to be our master. We do not want to be mastered by anything but you. So this morning, would you change, challenge us and change our hearts by your spirit, that your kingdom might be built in our hearts, in our lives, and in this region for your glory. Amen. I imagine Jesus saying this, like, telling this story to his disciples, but realizing that there are Pharisees in the crowd, and literally, like, telling the whole story, and then saying, no one can serve two masters. Like, like almost like looking at him, like, this one's for you. For you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot ber- serve both God and money. And, like, as he, like, ends the God and money, he's like, right to the ones that need to hear that. Does anybody else have that kind of imagination when you're reading Scripture? Has anybody ever felt like Jesus did that to you? Where you're reading it and you're like, yeah, Jesus, get him. And then at the end of it, he's like, and this is for your heart. <laughs> Jesus and his challenge is always, is always gracious. It might be strong, it might be stern, it might be directly to the point, But it is to bring us into his grace and bring us into his mercy and bring us into the freedom that he has designed for our lives and the freedom that he came to give us, not only from sin, but from the sinful nature that would exalt other things in our lives. Jesus wants us free. And so as we talk about this this morning, understand this is not to put something on you that makes you less free. This is to bring you to the freedom that you can know in Jesus Christ. And the freedom is this, that you are not mastered by anything except for Jesus. And that is ultimate freedom. And so Jesus says this, or then, sorry, the Scripture says this, the Pharisees react. Verse 14, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard this and scoffed at him. We will not be the people that scoff at the Word of God this morning, amen? We will not despise what Jesus has to say to us. We will open up our hearts to see what he wants to say, and we'll let him speak into our hearts. And then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. A couple things to understand. First of all, it's this. It's all about the heart. We talked about that for an entire series but it's really important that we understand this because especially when it comes to things and possessions and money, have you ever heard the saying, the heart wants what the heart wants? Right? And oftentimes, we, we are led by our hearts, but our hearts are off. In other words, when our hearts are connected to Jesus, when we're connected to the purposes of Jesus, we should live out of our hearts. Right? When we live out of the heart that Jesus has given us, it produces health and life and joy and freedom in our lives. But when our hearts are inclined towards other things or mastered by other things, we will make decisions or we will make choices or we will lead towards or lean towards those things that dominate us. And when our heart wants what our heart wants and we're not connected with the heart of Jesus, oftentimes we end up making choices. Not just about how we spend our money, but what we do in relationships that don't, and, and many other things that don't reflect the goodness of God in our lives. And so Jesus is after our heart. The battleground for money, the battleground for mastery, the battleground for who we will serve is a battleground that's in our hearts. Listen, here's the thing. When I gave that list before of how you spent your money and I said, would you be embarrassed if we looked at the last hundred things that you purchased? Many of you said no. But here's the truth. Many of us have gotten the spending right, but our hearts are still not connected to Jesus. Listen, we can get the spending done. We can understand all the principles. There are people that live by godly principles in terms of their spending, and yet they're still mastered by money, and their hearts are not connected to Jesus. So don't rest in the fact that you would not be embarrassed by the last hundred purchases that you made. Or that if, if you were to bring your checkbook and open it up, everybody would say, wow, look at this guy, he's living for Jesus. Or look at her, she's really uh, got this money thing down. The truth is this, you can have the money thing down and not have your heart connected to Jesus. You can have the money thing down and money can still be ruling you. You can look like you have it all together and still have the wrong master. What it's really connected to is what we honor and what we value. Jesus said what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. He said you like to appear righteous to others or you like to other people to think you have it together. That's why we don't want people looking at what we spend. What we want is honor. We want people to see us as successful and we are justified in the eyes of other. And for everybody, every human being, that almost always has to do with some form of display of wealth. People look at us and they assume they know something about us by the way we dress, by the car that we drive, by the neighborhood that we live in, by the way that we conduct ourselves, by the entertainment that we have. We assume, and it's mostly true, we judge people by what we see. And if they, pro- if they project a certain value or a certain wealth, we see them as more valuable as people. And it is contrary to the Word of God and to the nature of God. See, because what we honor is where our hearts are at. And so Jesus is going after what we honor. He's saying not only is it a heart attitude, but it's literally how you treat people. And Jesus said this, understand, what the world honors is detestable. Another version says, it's an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. It's not just a little thing. It's not just like, oh, like you love money a little too much. It's, it's affecting your life a little bit. He's saying, listen, it's an abomination and a detestable thing to him. How many of you know when Jesus uses words like abomination and detestable, he's getting at something important? He's driving home a point. And here's the thing, the amount of money you have does not matter. As we are talking about this, some of us are tempted to say, well, I don't have a lot of money, so money can't dominate me. The truth is this, you can be poor and be dominated by money. Some of us say, hey, I have all that I need, and so money doesn't dominate me. The truth is this, you can have all the money in the world and still be dominated by money. The amount of money does not matter. Jesus did not address the amount of money here. He's addressing the love of money. You can have none of it and be dominated. You can have lots of it and be dominated. Jesus said it this way. Luke 21, verses 1-4. through He says, "...when Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins." I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. This, this, this account, not a parable, an account, an actual Jesus watching an actual woman and describing what he sees, it talks about so many things when it has to do with money, but specifically this, the amount does not matter, it's where our heart is at. Jesus is after our entire heart. In other words, if you come to a church and the church teaches tithing, which we teach here, that is a, literally means a tenth. We believe that God owns everything and if we are responsible to Him and obedient to Him, we will give Him a tenth of everything that comes in. As our first fruits, as the honor that we have for a recognition that God has it all. But if we stop there we have missed the point. God doesn't just own a tenth. We rob God if we keep the tenth. But we are what 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 we're saying is this, not God you have the tenth and I get the 90. It's God you have it all and because you have it all and all of all of my resources, all of my life belongs to you. I will honor you in the way that you've asked me to honor you. It's about the heart. Jesus is after the entire heart of each person in this room. So here's what we need to understand. Money will rule, but it will only rule if we allow it. We have a choice of who masters us. Every person in this room, whether you have 10 cents in your pocket or $10,000 in your pocket, every person in this room has a choice over who will master you. We can walk out of this place making this choice. Money will rule, but only if we allow it. But here's the truth. It will rule us, even if we don't, it it will rule us unwillingly. Like we have a choice, and after this uh, talk this morning, we have no excuses for money ruling us, but the truth is this, if we don't spend time intentionally allowing Jesus to rule us and moving towards that, money will just by default rule us. And it will be unwittingly, some of us in this place this morning have come into this place and you don't know that money is ruling you or haven't yet. And I want, to, I want to describe maybe some of the feelings that you're having right now. You might feel guilty, you might be feeling yelled at, you might be feeling like overwhelmed, you might be feeling like, why is this pastor talking about my business like this? Listen, all of those things are the enemy trying to pull you away from the freedom that comes into Jesus. You are not being yelled at. You're not being scolded. Some of you were unaware before you came into this place. And becoming aware does not, uh, is not hurt you. It actually brings you to freedom. And so God wants to speak to this this morning to bring you into his freedom. So I want to talk about just a, a couple of ways that money rules and differentiate them with how Jesus rules. We're going to talk about money ruling, and we're going to talk about Jesus ruling, and we're going to look at the difference. Here's what I want to say when I, as I'm doing this. Some of you might sense, as I'm talking about it, that these things apply to you. Like, you might say, oh, money rules me that way, or you might say, hey, for the most part, like, I'm, I'm like 80% good. Je- I'm under Jesus rule in this area, but I have this little bit that kind of twings as pastor's talking about it. You know what I'm talking about? Thank you, sir. <laughs> I want to encourage you this, if there is a percentage of you that, that identifies with money ruling, take it as an opportunity this morning for Jesus to bring wholeness and healing to your life. Don't, don't count it up and say, well, like I'm, this, I'm, I'm on this side of healthy, I'm on this side of Jesus' rule, so I must be okay. The kingdom of God does not rule democratically and by poll. Right? It's not like, oh, well, like I made, like, Jesus, I'm 51% in, so I'm in the kingdom, so we're all good. Don't have to talk about it. Jesus is like, hey, listen, I want all of you. Let me take you all the way. How many of you would like total freedom when it comes to money, that it does not master you in any way, shape, or form, and you are mastered completely by Jesus? All right, so let's talk about it this morning. First of all, this, money rules with comfort. You can write these down. There's going to be five things, one, two, three, four, five. Money rules with comfort, but Jesus rules with the comforter and capacity. Money rules with comfort. Jesus rules with the comforter and capacity. It is the power of empowerment. So often, comfort rules in our lives. If I gave you $100,000, free money today, what would you spend it on? Most of us would spend it on doing something that makes us more comfortable. You can illustrate in a hundred different ways. When my son had a baseball tournament this summer, uh, I booked the, how many of you ever did travel baseball? How many of you know that sometimes these travel things are just rip-offs? Uh, Let me explain it this way. So like travel baseball was a great experience. We enjoyed doing it. We like our son being able to really express himself and get to know a new team. It's really honestly for us an opportunity to be with people that we don't know because we hang out with you people a lot. And although we love you, we do want to rub shoulders with people that might not necessarily know Jesus. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for that. Um, But oftentimes our children will be uh, invited to play in tournaments, or when, you, when you're part of a band, we're invited to play in the parade at Disney World. It's just a way for them to sell more tickets, right? Like they, you know, I'm playing at Disney World. Well, like they put you like off in a corner and your band plays for like 10 minutes, but they get you to spend like $3,000 sending your kid there, right? By the way, and then we say, hey, we're going to do a missions trip and it's going to cost you a thousand. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't afford it. <laughs> you're... Ch- Listen, uh, I think there's a meeting today. Your children are being invited, and you're being invited to be part of a missions trip to Jamaica. You have an opportunity to go to Jamaica, and you will not be staying on a resort. <laughs> Pastor Jordan, uh talked to Pastor Jordan today. There's a meeting after church, I believe, about that. But when he was invited to this tournament, I, 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 we, we booked the tickets really late, or the rooms really late. And so the opportunity that we had uh, was to stay at the theme park at one of their hotel rooms. And babe, how much were they a night? Like $300 a night or $300 a night for like a bait? $250, sorry, thank you for keeping me honest. They were $250 a night and we had to be there three nights? Three nights. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like if I'm going to spend $250 a night, I'm taking my wife away to a luxury place, Right? $750, $750, we could, because my mom is spectacular at this, we could go on a week-long cruise somewhere. I'm like, I, I don't want to take my son, you know, like I was excited to be with my son. Anyways, so uh, we spent a lot of time at looking at the hotels around this, uh, this theme park. A lot of time looking at the hotels. And like when you're seeing like one-star reviews, you're like, this is going to be fun. And I think we ended up sp- spending $120 a night. No, $120, like it went up. For the first night, but then it went up to like 169 Okay, anyways. A lot of money for a, for a hotel that got some one-star reviews. And uh, I was like, this is not going to be comfortable. And to be honest with you, while we were there, it was great. Not because the hotel is great, but because I think it was good for me and my soul, and good for my son and his soul, to be in a place that was just a little bit seedy. <laughs> and like you were tempted to like bring a sleeping bag and sleep on top. <laughs> and uh, I like to eat protein for breakfast and uh, the only, uh, and I like fruit for breakfast. The only fruit, like you've had a hotel breakfast. they had a hotel breakfast. I was really thankful for that. But the only, there was no protein in the, in the breakfast, like no eggs or sausage or anything like that. And the only fruit was the raisins in the Raisin Bran cereal. (laughs) Now, can you tell from my description I'm a little bit of a hotel snob? My wife, in fact, doesn't like to book me rental cars because I have a very specific set of criteria for a rental car. I'm a little, I I like to be comfortable. Don't we all like to be comfortable? Listen, our default is comfort. Comfort. We will do, as human beings, whatever we can do to be comfortable. And this is the truth. It is killing us. It's killing us. Not just about a hotel, but if if I was to give you $100,000, what would you spend it on? How many of you would feel a little more financially comfortable with $100,000 in your bank account? We would feel comfortable. But the truth is this. It would not be enough comfort. Because we would need more comfort and more comfort and more comfort. We do it with all kinds of things. We do it with our furniture. Uh, we do it with, uh, with our, the food that we eat. Most of us eat for comfort. There's a whole term for it. It's called comfort food. And some of us indulge in comfort food a couple times a day. And it's killing us. It's killing us. See, money does this. We want to be comfortable today. How many of you have heard this term? We want to be comfortable in our retirement. We, 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 we strive and we work. We, co- we work hard all day, and what do we want? I just want to come home and be comfortable. We do all this stuff to strive for comfort. That's what money, when it's a master to us, does. It keeps telling us, if you just have a little bit more, you will be comfortable. I just need enough, this is what we say, I just need enough money to be comfortable. We all have the figure in our head. What's the figure? You don't, don't have to answer me out loud, but you all have the figure in your head. If I just had this, I, we could be comfortable we could have comfortable vacations we could have a comfortable house we could have a comfortable lifestyle and the truth is this comfort is fleeting and god hasn't promised us comfort but what he has promised us is a comforter because the truth is this everything that makes you and me comfortable it can be taken away in a second and it's temporary and the truth is this it will pass away when you die it's gone. And the Lazy Boy chair that you wanted so bad and spent all your life in. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on you for a Lazy Boy. I own a Lazy Boy. I bruised my ribs or broke my ribs, I can't tell, a couple, what, four weeks ago. I'm still sleeping in my Lazy Boy chair and it is joyful to me because I can't lay down. It hurts bad. I get it. I'm not, I'm not picking on you for this. But that Lazy Boy will be gone. And you can pass it on, but it's probably not going to outlive you. Nobody likes the color anyway. And it's been molded to your butt and not someone else's. Right? These things, and that we, we pick on a, f- a few things, but it's true. About every material thing, every bit that money can buy us will pass away. It's temporary. But what Jesus did promise us was not comfort, but he promised us the comforter. Here's what he said in John fourteen twenty six 26 or 27. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you a gift. Listen to this, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. See, he comes to comfort us and bring us comfort in every circumstance, in every situation. And the truth is this, as his children ruled by him, he never leaves us. And the work that he does in our hearts is eternal. He gives us what the world cannot take away. Money rules with comfort. Jesus rules with the comforter and with capacity. What do I mean by that? When the Holy Spirit comes, he gives us the power to live in every circumstance. He gives us the power in every circumstance to be content. He gives us the power in every circumstance to know that there is something that he has for us that we can endure even the worst. When somebody's be, today is the day for the prayer for the persecuted church. When somebody in another country is in a hole being tortured for, their, for the gospel, no amount of comfort that we can give or buy will do anything for them. But the truth is this, the Holy Spirit of God can meet them in that, can meet that person in that place and bring them overwhelming comfort where they can stand in the face of persecution and the threat of death and not deny Jesus because they know the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can come and comfort their family and comfort the brothers and sisters. In fact, the church grows where there's less comfort. And the church shrinks where there's comfort. The reason why the church is shrinking in North America and shrinking in Europe, and I believe God is changing that. I believe God sovereignly is changing that. But the reason why is in developing countries, we are too comfortable and we do not need Jesus. And we agree to that. But how many of us will be willing to forego the comfort to have all of the comforter? Because when our coffee's not hot, when McDonald's takes too long, And gives us the wrong order, or we come home and our houses, uh, our kids are a little bit wild and we just can't sit down and collect our thoughts. We flip the heck out because we've lost our comfort. Let's tap into the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the capacity, the power that He gives us to live for Him. The second thing is this money rules with fear, Jesus rules with faith. Money rules with fear, Jesus rules with faith. This is the power of choice. To choose the greater reality of faith. Fear is a powerful emotion to overcome. How many of you have ever been afraid? How many has that fear controlled you? The truth is this how, or how many of you have ever been afraid when it comes to money? Like you got a bill, you got something coming, you're like, I have no idea how in the world this is going to happen. Oftentimes, fear is based in reality, right? I'm afraid because this has happened before. I'm afraid because this is, a, this is a real thing. We may not be able to stay in our home. Oftentimes, fear is based in experience and real possibility. Sorry, fear is based. Did I say that right? Fear is based in experience and real possibility. Here's what fear says to us. Fear says fight or flight. Those are the two choices that we have when we fear. Fear. When, we, when money is an issue, when we don't have enough or we don't see where our provision comes from, we have two possibilities. This happens to me. I think I'm just going to have to work harder, right? I'm going to fight. Or we run away from it. We just ignore it and we let the bills pile up and we run away from the responsibilities that we have. Fear says when it comes to money, you have two choices, work harder or ignore it. That is not the truth when it comes to the kingdom. Faith says the battle is the Lord, the Lord's. Fear says you have limited choices. Faith says there are multiple possibilities of deliverance. Fear says as long as you have this problem, you're a failure. Faith says there is, I am never a failure when God is with me. Fear says your circumstances determine your reality. Faith says God determines my reality. See, when God is with me, there's always learning. When God is with me, even when I'm pressed, even when I'm persecuted, even when things don't make sense, even when I don't have two pennies to rub together, if God is with me, He is working things together for my good. That's what faith says. Faith says God's not done yet. Faith says I haven't reached the limit unto death. Faith says God is still working on my behalf. Faith says even when it's horrible, I know that God is for me. And he is producing something in my life. I don't have to fight. I don't have to to ignore. I can trust in the Lord. Money rules with fear. Jesus rules with faith. Three, money rules with poverty, Jesus rules with provision. This is the power of abundance. Most of us in this room would say, I don't, have a, I, I don't suffer with poverty because we live in the United States of America. Some of us would, but I want to illustrate it this way. Money rules with poverty, Jesus rules with provision. It's the power of abundance. It's the ability to know there is always enough. There is always enough. Poverty says there's limited supply. I'll use my classic illustration. Most of you heard it. We'll go over it again. A spirit of poverty comes over all of us when we get into a room with 10 people and we get a large pizza. Because how many slices are in a large pizza? And our mind, like we're not good at math in high school, all of a sudden our mind starts doing real good math. I'm real good at math. There is not enough pizza in this, in this place. And the spirit of poverty says, I'm going to take a couple of the big pieces and slice them in half. Right? And give them to the little kids and they won't know the difference. Provision, or Jesus says, there, there is so much pizza in western New York and he has the ability to give us more. And if, if the pizza's not enough, there's something else. Because pizza's really good, but it's not the healthiest. I told you I'd get in your business. Poverty says there are limited resources, and so what that looks like is this. I've got to get mine. If you get yours, I won't get mine. It puts us in competition with one another because we think there are limited resources to divide up. How many of you ever have seen the movie A Beautiful Mind? In this movie, there's a brilliant scientist who's very, very awkward. And in the movie, he, he comes up with this uh, uh, a new theory. Basically, everybody's operating out of the theory that uh, we, can just, we should just always go for the best for ourselves. It's Adam Smith's theory of economics. If everybody just goes out and looks out for themselves... Most people will get what they need. Everybody will get something. And so this, there's, this, there's this great scene in the movie where he's sitting at a, a bar or a restaurant with his friends and uh, a beautiful blonde walks in as well as some other girls that are still very good looking but not, maybe not as like, stunning as this blonde. And they all have this conversation about how they're all, they're all trying to get you know, a date or a dance or together with the blonde. And, in the, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting movie. And it just kind of goes through his, like, process. A, a great scene that kind of films his process of discovery. He says, listen, if, if all of us go for the blonde, we're going to block each other out and every other girl there is going to get offended that we didn't try to talk to them first. You under, are you with me in the scene? Right? And he goes, and then we all go away without having any female accompaniment tonight and it's really, you know, poor us. But he says this, if we all go for, if we ignore the blonde and I'll go for second place, then everybody gets a girl to dance with tonight, and we all have a great time. I think both theories miss the point. The point is this, that God knows our needs for relationship, for money, for, uh, for um, success. He, he knows our, mo- our, our needs to eat. He knows our needs for sleep and shelter. God knows our needs. And the truth is this, we don't have to settle for second best, and we don't have to just go for first best and try to exclude everybody else. We can say this, we can say with confidence that my God will supply all my needs. That's what a spirit of abundance is. That's what a spirit of provision is. Provision says that my God owns it all, and if if all of it gets divided up and there's still not enough, He can make more. Philippians 4, 18-19 says this, At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me, the Aphroditeus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Jesus Christ." Oftentimes we think about this money thing and we're like, hey, Jesus is spiritual, money is worldly, nothing to do with each, each other. Paul says, absolutely not. He says, I have all my physical needs met. You sent me gifts and I have more than, more than enough. But I also want you to know that because God has supplied for me, he'll supply for you. Money rules with poverty, Jesus rules with provision. By the way, we're going to get a little bit more into this at the men's conference, And so, how many of you are men? Like, guys, when we, listen, maybe this is why we need the men's conference. When somebody asks, are you a man? (laughs) I am a man. I was talking to a young man this morning at church, uh, three three years old, I think. And uh, I just said, hey, we were in the hallway, I said, you're getting so tall. How did you get so tall? He goes, I'm going to grow into a man. I'm like, this kid's got vision for his life. Some of us, need, as men, need to get a vision for our life. Are you a man? You better believe I'm a man. Yeah. And I'm not talking about being a caveman, but I'm talking about us being confident that God has made us into the men that he's called into this earth with things to accomplish. How many of you know there are man things to do in life? Uh, how many of you, uh, well, let me say this. I took advantage last night of the extra hour. And my son, Joel, punched one of his punch holes on his man card. We watched The Last of the Mohicans together. We didn't get through all of it because it got real late and I got sleepy, but we're going <laughs> to finish. We're going we're gonna to punch the other half this afternoon. But it's a man movie. And he's like, he's like Dad, because I've let him watch some things I probably shouldn't have let him watch at his age. He's like, he goes, is this more scary or more violent than The Patriot? No, nah, both They're both pretty violent. But there's something about running around in the woods in buckskins with a tomahawk and a knife and a gun shooting the bad guys that makes us feel like a man. Right? For some of us. For others, it's fixing cars. And I'm not saying like we need to be just a bunch of meatheads. But I'm saying we should do man things. We've been called into the earth for man things. One of the things I love about this movie is that these guys who don't want to be part of a fight get into the fight because they know that they're, they're just there. We've got to do something. And they keep making these choices that cost them to get into the fight. I want my son growing up with that kind of a attitude. Like if something's in front of me, I'm not walking away. If I can do something about it, I'm not walking away. If there's a beautiful woman, I'm not walking away. No, there's a great, there's a great scene in that. This, this, anyways. <laughs> Go watch the movie, yeah. Four, money rules with limitations. Jesus rules with liberty. The power of freedom. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says this, You say, I'm allowed to do anything. Paul says, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Listen, we think that money provides freedom. Don't we? We think that money provides freedom. And, you know, initially it's true. The more money you have, the more choices you can make. Right? If you got 20 bucks in your wallet and you want to take your entire family out to eat, you have to go to McDonald's and eat off the dollar menu. I was at McDonald's yesterday. We tried to do some park stuff and it rained and then we tried to go bowling and there wasn't any lanes available. So we did the next best thing that every good red-blooded American do. We went to a McDonald's play place. (laughs) A Big Mac meal was $9.50, I think. I was like, what? (laughs) No, you could still get a hamburger for a dollar, so. Like, you can live off the dollar. But if you got 20 bucks in your wallet and you got a family of six, you're going to Burger King or McDonald's, you're eating off the dollar menu, you're getting two things each and a water, right? Those are your choices. But if you've got $3,000 in your wallet and you want to go out to any restaurant and it's fun money, play money, you can, you can pretty much guarantee you can feed a family of six pretty well anywhere you want. You can choose any restaurant in this city and you can do good right? Initially, money frees us up. It gives us more choices, but the truth is this. We think those choices matter, and they really don't. See, we think we're free in the choices that we make, but the truth is this. The choices are only uh, uh, growing to a point. We think, if only I could afford it. The truth is this. It's not, if only you could afford it. The truth is, you already have all that you need. The life you really desire With the powerful choices that you get to make has very little to do with money. We think if I just have the money I can make the powerful choices that make my life reflect God. Listen, you could have nothing in your pocket right now and you could still make powerful life choices that bring the kingdom of God invading into your life. The liberty of God in your life. See, what happens is when we think about it in terms of money giving us more choices, we limit ourselves in the choices that we get to make for God. Let me just say this, I asked my dad this morning, I said, what's the word of the Lord for today? And he said this, if the burden or the yoke that you feel in your life feels difficult, if what you're carrying right now feels like it's rubbing or chafing or it's like you feel like what God is, what you're doing right now feels like a, a difficult row to hoe, then this is the truth, you are pulling in a different direction than Jesus What do I mean by that? Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When we yoke ourselves with Jesus, when he becomes our master, in this area, in finance or in anything else, when we walk with him, he does the heavy lifting and the heavy pulling. And we can walk with him in ease and it doesn't chafe, but the minute that we start to pull in another direction other than him, it starts to hurt. It's like, have you ever carried a a heavy piece of furniture with somebody else? And they don't carry it the same way you do? Right? You're like, all of a sudden, you're carrying it. All of a sudden, all the weight comes to you. And you're like, hey, bro, we're doing this together. Figure it out. The truth is this. Anytime it feels heavy, it's because we are pulling in a different direction there. Lord, We're pulling somewhere that he hasn't asked us to pull. Jesus gives us the choice to pull in the direction with him. He gives us the liberty to pull in direction with him. Money rules with limitations, Jesus rules with liberty. He gives us the choice to make powerful choices all the time. And this is the last one, if the worship team can come. Five, money rules with cravings, Jesus rules with contentment. Money rules with cravings, Jesus rules with contentment. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6-10 says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. We talked about that already. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into the temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. It doesn't say people who are rich. What does it say? People who long to be rich, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money. Everybody say money is not evil. But the love of money, serving money, allowing money to master us, becomes the root of all kinds of evil. Listen. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. How many of you know what a powerful craving is? Oh come on, y'all should be raising your hands. No, no, I, I'm not ruled by my cravings. <laughs> I'm perfectly content. Sarah, thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest. Like your your craving might not be what someone else is craving, right? You're like uh, like somebody's like I can't handle myself around ice cream. I just can't handle myself around ice cream. I gotta have some ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. And you're like, what the heck is wrong with you, like? Take it easy, ice cream. Like no big deal. And we think we're all self-righteous because ice cream doesn't control our lives. But go back to pizza, or right? Like like you you're like a a cold piece of pizza or some you know garbage pizza. But whatever your favorite pizza place is, if it's like right there, hot, ready, like you're just like, mmm. You you, like you might be on a diet, but you just you got to have a nibble. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it's not food, maybe it's something else. Listen, money will cause us to access our cravings. Most of us don't access our cravings because we don't have the kind of cash to do it. I really, 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 really want a motorcycle. I dream about riding a motorcycle. I'm not talking about like daydream, I'm talking about like deep in sleep. I feel free on my motorcycle. My brother keeps encouraging me to get a motorcycle. He keeps trying to get me on his and I'm almost afraid to get on it because like, I'm going to give into to that craving and then it's going to become an obsession. My, my wife has helped me understand how to control that craving. She says, you can have a motorcycle, but you need $2 million in life insurance. I have good life insurance, but I don't have that much. She has done the calculation of what, what it will take to be comfortable without me. I, I love you, babe. I love, you. I love your wisdom in that. If I had the money, you guys can start playing. Thank you so much. If I had the money, I would probably give in to that craving. I'm not saying it's an ungodly craving. There's probably something that God wants to reveal to me while I'm on my motorcycle. Have you noticed I've said my motorcycle twice already? I think they're prophetic dreams. Right? Right? But if I give my life to my cravings, and it might not be for food, it might, not be, for, it might be for recognition. It might, it might be for, for someone to say, hey, you're really awesome and wonderful. And I, I, I just think what you do is incredible. It might be for relationship. Right? If only I had a husband. If only I had a wife, or even worse, if only I had a husband who understands me because my husband doesn't understand me now. If only I had a wife who did X, Y, and Z because that's what I need, that's what I deserve, that's what I crave. Listen, it, it can go across the board, but it happens specifically in money. Money will say just you can give into your cravings. You have the ability to do it. And how do, we, how do we know this? Because look at the people who have a ton of money, who don't know the Lord. They give into their cravings and they give into their cravings. And we have a billionaire who's, who's literally, you guys have heard the news, who's literally sleeping with like 14, 15 year old girls because that's what he craves and he thinks it's all right. You guys follow the news? Jeffrey Epstein? Am I the only one? We have, he's not the only one. That's kind of the point. That if our hearts are ruled by money, when we have it, we will use it to to give in to our cravings. But if our heart is ruled by God, it doesn't matter how little we have or how much we have, we're content. And that becomes our wealth. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. I've learned to be content when i got a ton and a little. And then he says this, and this is the scripture that we always use for sports, but it has nothing to do with sports. It has everything to do with contentment. He says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When our cravings look to dominate our lives, Jesus comes and gives us the ability to walk in contentment. Not that we're content to be to like live in a place of of poverty. Right, But we know that God has intended more for us so we're going to press into the things of God and we're going to trust him that he's going to provide all of, all of our needs. We're going to seek his kingdom first. We're not going to fear. We're not going to uh, limit our choices. We're not going to just seek our comfort. We're going to press into Jesus. Back to the scripture we started with. Jesus said this. You, no one, you, me, everybody here, can serve two masters. It's, one, it's really one or the other because you will hate one and love the other. You'll despise one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve both God and money. As we get into this series, as we talk about Jesus' freedom for our lives when it comes to cash, to money, to resources. Let's just simply make a decision this morning. Close your eyes, if you would. Just, just so you have an opportunity to talk to the Lord. I believe that this morning there are, there are somebody or at least a few people in this room who we're not talking about serving God and serving money. We're just talking about serving God. You've come into this place and... Um, Maybe somebody invited you here. Maybe you just came and you're not really sure why. Maybe God's already been tugging on your heart and you came here this morning because you know that you want to do business with God. You've You've been brought to this place this morning to do this, to make Jesus the master and the Lord of your life. You've been called to exit the kingdom of this world and to enter into the kingdom of our Heavenly Father. And we do that simply through Jesus Christ. The truth is this. You and I were born into sin and we have sin in our lives. But Jesus, who, cre- who created us with the Father and the, ho- and the Holy Spirit, was not content that we should be out of relationship with him, that sin would dominate in royal lives, that we would be eternally separated from him by our sin. He was not content with that, so he came and he lived a sinless life, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for you and I so that we could be in relationship and have it restored with God, so that our sin would be dealt with and we would no longer suffer the punishment of our sin. And he invites us to receive the free gift of his salvation, which gives us access to relationship with him. Not just a future heaven, but a literal relationship with the God of heaven right now. What, what Jesus described as God's will in heaven being done on earth. And that's what he, he's invited us to. And so if you're here this morning, and you have not made that decision that Jesus would be master of your life, this morning is an opportunity for you to walk into that, into the freedom of relationship with God through Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and that's you, you've been running from Him, maybe you've never known Him, but you you feel right now in your heart it is time to make Him the Lord of your life. I'd like to ask you to do something bold. I'd, af- I'd, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to see your hand. I see that hand. Is there another? I see that hand and that hand and... That hand and that hand and, and that hand. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that I see those hands to just encourage, but I think it's important to know that the Spirit of God is moving right now in this house for salvation. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Today is a day of salvation. God is working in powerful ways. He's always working to bring people to him, but I believe that there is a unique time that we are in right now where he is bringing salvation upon salvation upon salvation. Is there anybody else? All right, listen. I want I want to pray with you. Then I want to talk to the rest of the folks here this morning. Pray with me if you would. This prayer in your heart, if you mean it, you're surrendering your life to Christ, Heavenly Father. I believe that you sent your Son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin that I could be in relationship with You. So I receive the free gift of salvation. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I pray that You would send Your Holy Spirit to fill me, to empower me, and to cause me to know that I belong to You and that I am part of Your kingdom surrender my life to my Lord Jesus amen if you prayed that prayer right now you have by faith entered into the kingdom of God if you meant it in your heart so I just want to encourage you today there'll be some people on either side you don't have to do this but it will be an encouragement to you there'll be people on either side of this uh stage that would love to pray with you that would love to lead you would love to give you some advice maybe give you a bible if you don't have one We would love to do that with you. But let me just address everybody else here today. Let's just make a decision. Let's make a decision. Who's going to be the master of our lives? Is it going to be money or is it going to be Jesus? If you want Jesus to be the master of your life, stand right now. We're going to pray together. Jesus, we are aware of the default position that money takes in our lives, that it will rule us unless we say no. And so this morning, by saying no, we're not, we are not—we are saying no and we are in defiance of that default. We're saying no to money ruling. But what we are also saying yes to is this, Jesus, you, we won't rule our own lives, we want you to rule our lives. And so when it comes to money, when it comes to cash, when it comes to, to finances and to credit, when it comes to, to the resources that you have given us in our lives, we are boldly and firmly stating right now, you are the Lord of our life. You are in charge and it's your way. And so by saying this, we are opening our hearts and our minds and our souls to being challenged in what we think in what we feel, and even in what we do and how we put this into practice. Even over these next few weeks, God, we invite you to speak to us in fresh ways that you would bring comfort to our, or the comforter to our lives, that you would bring freedom and liberty to our lives, that you would bring more of your presence and more of your kingdom, that we would see the manifestation of your kingdom in every area of our lives. That we would see your provision in every area of our lives. That you would teach us to be content with you. We put you as our master. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Dan's coming now to close us. Would you just remain standing? God bless you. Pray that you are encouraged.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just a few announcements before we close. Uh, As usual, our ushers. The ushers are in the back of the auditorium for your giving. Uh, If you're a guest with us today, you're under no obligation whatsoever to give. But if God has done something in your life or in your heart this morning, and you want to worship him, by all means. Uh, give him honor and do that. Uh, Your giving options are on the screen behind me. For new guests, visit uh, Guest Central in the lobby. There's people back there who want to meet you, bless you, and give you one of our incredible gifts. There's some new T-shirts that are part of that. Covenant small groups, new covenant small groups are in session. You can check that out on the website and get involved. If you're not in one, there is life that happens in a small group that you won't experience anywhere else, so get in. The men's conference is this weekend. And the lovely Sarah Dispenza is going to be in the Corner Cafe for you to register. If you forgot to bring cash or a check or you don't know how to do that, she will help you. If you don't have the cash, you can still register today and pay at the door. There is no financial excuse for you not to come. God has made a way for every man here to go, If you desire, even whether, if you don't desire to go. Every man here. I'm telling you, there is life in this conference. I've been to one of them. It will change the way you approach your life. It will help you to step into the role that God has given you as a man in his kingdom. Please, please, please don't blow it off. Make every effort, even if it's difficult, even if you have to get in trouble with your boss at work. I've done that when I was working for the post office. God will make a way. Be nice, be be polite, but tell him you've got an obligation from the Spirit of God to be there. Go there. And let him change your life and just restore you in incredible ways. And the women, all you women, there's no excuse. Next Sunday night, 7 o'clock, Benet is going to be here. You want to hear her. I've talked with her. I know her. She stayed in our home. She is an incredible gift for the kingdom of God. She's an incredible gift for your life. She will bring change and understanding and a depth of relationship uh, with God. If you're married with your spouse, uh, in ways you you can't even begin to imagine. Please, please, please don't neglect these opportunities. God has set before us in every situation, life and death, blessing and cursing. And the scripture says, choose life. The choice is yours. And the prayer teams as every week are are available on either side of the platform. If you raise your hand to respond to God, to respond to giving him his life, your life, and stepping into his kingdom and receiving Salvation through his blood, through his sacrifice. They're here. They want to pray with you. They want to help you to begin that journey of faith with Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. We love you. We're glad you're here. You are greatly, greatly, greatly loved and appreciated. Uh, be blessed as you go. Father, bless your people. Bless every person here today as they leave. And Father, we invite you by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to us this week. Reveal to us, Lord, whether we're living in a spirit of poverty or whether we're living in the spirit of abundance that you give us in our lives. Lord, teach us to walk in the financial freedom you've given us through Christ Jesus. To have a life of contentment, knowing that you will provide every one of our needs. And we ask that in the name of Jesus, and we give you thanks by saying together, amen and amen. God bless you. I'm
0: no vi-